This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast with Tony Marinero. Sports entertainment like no other. It's going to be sick. Hello, Tony Marinero, The Sick Podcast, and welcome. If you're joining us through our Facebook page, on the Sick Podcast, it's a pleasure to be joined by David Wancha, aka Vegas Dave. How you doing, bud? Good, good. Thanks for having me. Good to finally meet you. It's cool. The number one sports consultant in the world. That's what you're known as right now. I say that, and you think what? It's all facts. It's got to be pretty cool, huh? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I worked hard for it, but I mean, it's all I know. I'm best in the world at what I do, and uh, I'm missing sports right now, but I'm hoping baseball comes back. But I know that it looks like football is coming, but uh, it's getting through day by day. All right, so let's talk about how you got this this famous title of the best sports consultant in the world. Why don't you take us through it right at the beginning? Who's Vegas Dave? Well, I was one of the biggest bettors in the world. Um, A lot of people would bet offshore. Um, I was the only person to bet six-figure tickets at the windows and casinos. So I had paper tickets betting $200,000 parlays, $500,000 straight bets. No one else in Vegas did that. So when I was betting, I would put my money where my mouth is. I'd post my tickets on social media. Um, I had some winning years, some losing years, part of the grind growing up and getting through the business. And then um, I went into a crazy run. I, I found out how to beat the system, how to beat the books, and I broke every single sports betting record. I mean – the Royals, $2.5 million is the biggest record, biggest sports betting record paid in the history of, of sports betting. I hit that for $2.5 million. The Broncos for $2.3 million, predicting them to win the Super Bowl in week one, predicting the Royals to win the World Series in week one, and then some pretty big UFC records as well. So I went on a $5 million run in less than six months, and that's when the casinos cut me off. They banned me, and uh, I'm no longer able to bet anymore. So that's when I transformed into a sports consultant. Now, week one of, for the Royals, that was week one of the regular season or week one of the playoffs? Regular season, 2015. Uh, they haven't won a World Series in 30 years. They were 30 to 1 odds. Um, I bet I bet them all the way down from 30 to 1 odds down to like 10 to 1 odds. I posted all the tickets on the internet. 100000 paid out $2.5 million. All right, so you're talking to me from Vegas right now, but where was uh, Vegas Dave born and raised? I was born actually in Michigan, um, spent some time in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and I lived in Hawaii. And then from Hawaii, because my mom's from Hawaii, I moved to Vegas in 2001. Okay, so you moved to Vegas in 2001. At what age did you place your first sports bet? 
uh, probably 20 years old in Hawaii. They had like little bookies in Hawaii. Of course, I, I lost. Um, I think it was the Raiders and the Titans, and I lost. It was a $300 wager. And then I, I was hooked because I was, as a kid, I always knew a lot about sports. I played sports. I was in the sports uh, – memorabilia sports uh baseball cards buying and flipping so when i found out that you could bet on sports i was hooked and that's why i decided to move to las vegas at 21 i told my parents i was going to school to go to unlv but i just wanted to be closer to the sports books and i actually took a student loan out from unlv instead of buying books and stuff like that i put it all on roulette on red at the palms it hit turned into twenty thousand dollars dropped out of college that day and vegas Dave was born all right so you put your money on red but I mean, to to bet three hundred dollars at age twenty to start playing pretty big money at age twenty one in the casinos, or to start putting money on red, you come from money. Like you were, you were able to take the hit. It was a student loan. I was a risk taker always. Like I could always sell. So when I was in Hawaii, I sold gym memberships. You know, I was always a salesperson. So I was in the mortgage industry. So I made some money, blew some money. I could always sell. I could always make money. But I was always a risk taker. And then when I started uh, winning in sports betting, then my my goals just got higher and higher. I remember a, a big bet was a thousand dollars, and then twenty thousand, and then eventually, if I didn't have at least a hundred thousand on a game, I wouldn't even watch the game. So just went levels after levels after levels for betting for a couple decades. So as you know, uh, sports betting is not an easy thing to do. That's why uh, the the sports books are the ones that make money long term because right. you know they just they always do. There's upsets every night. Someone who goes 56 or 57% in Vegas is considered very, very good at what he does. So my question to you is, when you started betting, how big of a hole did you dig yourself at one point? Like, what's the most you were down? Uh, over $800,000. Okay. Close so a, million. a guy like me is down $800. <laughs> I'm not sleeping. If I'm down $8,000, I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. You're down $800,000 at one point. So take me back. When was this? <laughs> what had you lost on? And what was going through your mind when you're down 800000 I mean, this was probably in 2013. Um, I was still in the mortgage industry. And that was a very, that was a subprime market. And I was making between fifty dollars to $100,000 a month. And I was betting at the casinos. And one of my friends um, vouched for me and they let me, get an account online and when you that was the biggest mistake I ever did by betting offshore or betting online it's like monopoly money they fired me two hundred thousand dollars i lost the two hundred thousand dollars in the first week but because i paid it right away they're like wow this guy is honest he paid us early so they upped it to eight hundred thousand dollar credit line i won for a couple of weeks but by the end of that month i had lost eight hundred thousand dollars and that's when i hit rock bottom so um fortunately my parents man they were middle class they worked their whole life middle class people and for some reason they decided to bail me out i had to go to gamblers anonymous i didn't last on that and then it short long story short that gamble my parents took on me i ended up beating the sports books and paying my parents back and now taking care of my parents bought them a house bought them a car i'm very close to them so they took a gamble on me uh gamblers anonymous wasn't something for me it was a class for like six weeks i, I quit on graduation day because I realized while I was in Gamblers Anonymous that we'd be checking the scores, and I'm like, damn, I would have won again. I'm winning. How can I win eight out of ten games and still be down a hundred thousand dollars a week? And I realized that I didn't. I was great at what I did. I just didn't have money management, and that's why the casinos are so rich because people can't manage their money. Lack of discipline. So you're down eight hundred thousand. 
you turn to your friends and family, your parents bail you out on the condition that you're going to Gamblers Anonymous. You don't and, want it and you start betting again. Take me through that conversation. <laughs> 47 years old, I'm down 800,000. If my parents bail me out, like I'm getting a shoe across the head if I decide to bet again, like take me through the conversation that you go back to your parents and you say, listen, I need to start gambling again. I just, you know, I stopped gambling. I went to the Gambler's Anonymous classes. I went through like eight weeks. Didn't pass. I didn't want to go to graduation day because I knew I, I, I knew angles. I realized I was good at what I did. And that 2015 is when the Royals came out preseason and there were 30 to one odds. And my mindset was like, listen, I've saved over a couple hundred thousand dollars in the last two months because I'm not gambling. I'm making a lot of money in the mortgage industry. And if I could just put some money in the Royals, I know they're going to make the playoffs. And if they make the playoffs, I can hedge at 30 to one odds and I can make a couple hundred thousand. It was a no brainer for me. So I kind of did it. Didn't tell them until it was like the all-star break and the, you know, the Royals were the favorite to win. They picked up Cueto. They picked up Zobris at the all-star break and then it started becoming national news. And then my Royal, my parents turned into Royals fans real quick. Um, long story short, I hit the Royals, paid them back. And then two months later, the Super Bowl happened. And in August in preseason, I bet the Broncos at 18 to one odds doing the Super Bowl. And that paid 2.3 million. A little over 100,000 and win 2.3 million. So it was 2.5 million paid out in November in the World Series in 2015. Then February 2016 was a Super Bowl, paid me out 2.3 million. And then I hit uh, Holly Holm to upset uh, Holly Holm to upset uh, Ronda Rousey. And then two months later, I picked Nisha Tate to beat uh, Holly Holm, and that was five million. And that's when the the casinos cut me off. Some didn't pay me, and that's when I got indicted by the casinos and the government on 19 alleged alleged felonies where I faced 40 years in prison, and that was a three-year fight with the feds that just ended a year ago. All right, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that in a second, but why didn't they pay you? Casinos are losers. They're a bunch of crooks. They only like losers. They don't like winners. They didn't want to pay me. They two the, they all paid me on all the wins except for the Broncos. All the casinos paid me except for two casinos on the Broncos, and they said, call this federal agent. We love to pay you, but talk to him. So the, the government worked with the casinos not to pay me. Um they figured if it was a scary situation, they figured I wasn't going to fight for it. Um, and then when I said I was going to fight because the money I deserved to win, I put the money down and I sweated the games out. I went to the games and I, it was all principle for me. So when I decided to fight it, they, then they indicted me on 19 alleged felony counts and thought they could bleed me through a court trial because it, it takes a lot of money to fight the feds for three years. I don't expect you to give away your trade secrets here because this is what you do. You're a sports consultant. You basically, uh, people can can pay you for your services for different packages with different picks, right? But if you, can, if you can give me an idea, you're right, right? everyone's looking at trends, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, first of all, let's start with the sports. Out of all the sports, is there one sport? So you hit on baseball, you hit on football, and you hit on UFC a couple of times. Is there one sport that you think is your forte? I know it's baseball. Baseball is the easiest. That's where you can kill the books. Why is it the easiest? Pitching matchups? No, it's just baseball is every day. Baseball is 160 to 164 games. It's every day. Um, and I watch every game. So it's easy. There's a lot. There's trends. Like if, if a team loses four or five games in a row, baseball teams are pretty much even. They're not going to lose six, seven, eight in a row. So you can double up, double up, double up if they lose five or six games in a row. Um, you know, double headers, usually they split. A home team will split. There's different 
things that usually work for baseball that doesn't work for other sports. That's why I'm dying for baseball to come back. It's a moneymaker. I've consulted for over 10 years in baseball, never had a losing season for my players. You know, I sometimes I've up to 30,000 people that pay me for my baseball packages for the season. That's my my bread and butter. All right. Okay. So now uh, you, you hit on baseball, you hit on football, you hit on the UFC with Vegas Dave. You said there's a couple of casinos that weren't paying you and they told you to call a federal agent. Yeah. So I had my, yeah. And all this, I have a documentary that's coming out. Uh, we're in the, we're in the part right now where we're selling of a book, a documentary and a movie coming up about my life story. So we're right. This was already going to be done and um, out for distribution, but COVID-19 hit. So uh, yeah. we're starting doc- that. Is it complete? Is it complete? Done. It's a great okay. documentary about if my life. Podcast, if this podcast is absolutely fantastic, we have a, any chance of getting in the documentary or it's signed, sealed and delivered already. I can't, we're not, I'm not allowed to show it to anyone, but it'll be out there. It'll be in distribution by the end of this year. I'm pretty, pretty confident. We're taking meetings next month already. All right. Okay, cool. So, um, you know, when you call the federal agent, they tell you what? My attorney called and they said, come down to the office. Uh, we'd like to talk to you. When I got there, there was gaming, federal agents, IRS, task force, about 12 people. I'm like, what the hell is going on? And they started asking me all kind of questions. And I said, when we're, when we were done, I was like, great. Can I get paid now? Because I, I want to get the money. And, they're, and my attorney is like, do you know what's going on? I'm like, no. They're like, dude, it's not about the money anymore. It's about your freedom. They're accusing you of all these alleged crimes. Um, you could face prison time. I had no idea. And then come to find out, you know, the the term, the 19 charges added up to 40 years in prison. And I fought it for three years. And then every year they'd offer me a plea, 19 years, 15 years, 10 years, three years, two years. And finally – after say we're going to go to trial because I know I'm innocent, they dropped everything and said, "Listen, just take probation and you're good." So they dropped all the felonies and they dropped all the prison term. Okay, you seem very calm about it. I don't know how calm about it you were at the time. You did mention it was scary. I get pulled over some, for some kind of infraction. I'm having a panic attack. You show up with your lawyer to meet with the feds and everyone's there, and it's a question of your freedom right now. There's a possibility of you going to jail. What, how are you feeling about this? Well, at that time, I was pretty um, naive to the situation. I really didn't know what's going on because I, I was really innocent. I was like, I just thought I had to show up for the meeting, answer some questions. They were going to pay me. And then after the meeting, my attorney was like, man, you're going to have to get a better criminal attorney. Like, this is out of my league. So I ended up getting David Chesnoff, which is one of the best criminal attorneys in the world. He represented Tupac, Snoop Dogg, Sue Knight, Britney Spears, Bruno Mars. And he did a great job for me. Um, he wasn't cheap, but he was great. And, uh, I told him the truth and he knew I was innocent from what I told him. At the end of the day, casinos, you know, Vegas is built on losers, not winners. And when you win, you can't really beat Vegas because when you lose, they take your money. And when you win like me, they don't pay you and they try to put you in prison. So all these other people that I see online selling picks or betting, I know they're not a winner in the long term because if you were winning, they would ban you. Casinos don't like winners. So the, I can tell they can fool everybody else in the world that they post a ticket. They won 50 grand, 80 grand. But I know you can't fool me that you're a loser over the term of the year or years, because if you're winning, they cut you off. All right. So uh, talk to me about those allegations based on what I read. Mm-hmm. Some of the allegations reportedly is that you were using other people's security numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would imagine you tackled that in court. True or false? False, or I'd be in prison. They said that I um, use other people's social security numbers to um, open up players' account. 
Um, and the real reason why anyone would use someone else's social security numbers for one reason only, tax evasion. You don't want to pay your taxes. So that's why the first people to investigate my case was the IRS. Um, the IRS, the uh, criminal IRS did an audit and they said they came back and said, wow, his taxes are clean. Uh, most people, they hide, they use social security numbers of other people to, to hide taxes. But for me, I took pictures of my tickets, posted them online, collected million dollars in cash, filled me collecting it, filled me with a videotape team dropping it into the bank with a money counter and showing the world. So that's not indicative, indicative of someone trying to hide money or launder money or using fake social security numbers. So these are all allegations. Again, there were 19 alleged felony counts. Usually if you're guilty, they knock it down to from 19 to three or four felonies. At the end of the day, I got zero because they couldn't prove it. Okay, but you've been banned from betting on sports books for what, three years? They, they, it changed. Originally said that I was banned. Lot, see, the judge says I can't bet for three years. But before that, when I beat the casinos, they told me I'm, not, I'm no longer welcome. So a lot, even after the three-year ban, I can't bet at any of the casinos anyways because they won't. They already banned me for beating them beforehand. And number okay, two, I mean, but legally, but in terms of, you know, um, when if all the charges dropped and you were guilty on none of them, what's the reasoning they gave? I understand you said they took a decision you're just not going to bet anymore. But what's the decision they took for these three years that you can't? They must have found you guilty on something. There's got to no, be something. No, the judge was the judge thought maybe I had a gambling problem or a gambling addiction. She didn't understand I was a sports consultant after I got indicted. This was a three-year process. I couldn't bet anymore. So I changed into a sports consultant. The judge didn't understand the difference between a sports consultant and a sports better. So she just said for the for the well-being of myself, I don't want you gambling for three years thinking it was like making my life worse. But at the time, I was already banned from the hotels from gambling anyways. So she just said three years, don't gamble, and you go back and gamble. But when the three years is up, I'm not going to gamble anyways because you it's an, I'd be an idiot because, when, like I said, if you lose – you lose when you win. They take your freedom away. If you don't know this, I'm sure your accountant does, and he probably reminded you. But of all your years of betting, do you know how much you've lost and how much you've won? Yeah, millions. Yeah. So yeah. You're, you're up. You're up by millions. That's why they banned me. Yeah. If I was down by millions, when I was down, I mean, trust me. For the first five or six years, I was a professional loser. Win two weeks, lose the third week. Win, win, lose, lose, lose. Win, give it all back. Chase. I was a professional loser, but during those times when I was a professional loser, free comps, free rooms, free food, free everything. But when you when you win, everything gone. That's how the so casino this podcast, uh, we're in conversation with Vegas Dave on the Sick Podcast. It was lined up several days ago, right? And uh, we talked about it and we promoted it. We put it on social media. And in the past couple of days, I got stopped. My neighbors, my neighbors' kids. You got Vegas Dave on. This guy's unbelievable. I'm taking a bike ride today, and someone says to me, you got Vegas Dave coming up? He's a scammer. Yeah, of course. So, I, 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 so I, you've heard this before, right? Some people love you. Some people think you're a scammer. For someone who works as hard as you do and has risked so much and invested so much, when you hear people call you a scammer, does it hurt you? No. I enjoy it because that's admiration because in their head, they can't understand how much money I make. Wherever they're living, working nine to five, making forty, fifty thousand dollars a year, I make that in a day. So I don't, I don't, I don't expect them to understand what I do. It has to sound like a scam. It's too good to be true. Um, those are usually the people that blame the government. They blame society. Well, why they're broke? They're poor. They're not willing to put the work in. 
at first I used to be very upset, like, and right back, that's bullshit, blah, 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 blah. But now it's a compliment. The day that people stop calling me a scam means I'm no longer relevant. Everyone's considered a scam. That's the top of the industry. You know, I always tell people haters are just confused admirers. I don't, I tell people this, I've been doing this for 12 years. Everyone that I, that buys my picks has never met me. They've never even got a Skype call. All they do is see me on social media. They pay me up front. They trust me, a stranger they never met before, and send me thousands of dollars for that day or the month for the picks. If I was a scam, nobody would send me money because I would just keep the money and run. The reason I make the money I make is because of how good I am and I'm honest and I have integrity. Yeah, of course. So there's always going to be haters with people's success, right? You, that, that's never going to end. But, you know, the one thing, though, that I, I read was some people are, are, are writing that uh, they took packages, okay? Mm-hmm. They took a package. And uh, you have different packages and different names for your package. I came across this YouTube video earlier today, and someone said that there was one package that was advertised that up until that point, you were 18 and 0, all right? I I think the example was the St. Louis Blues that somebody gave to beat the Boston Bruins in a game last year in the Stanley Cup final. And what this person alleges is that they took St. Louis, St. Louis lost that game, but the next day, your site was advertising that you were a perfect 19 and all. You want to clear that up because I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. I have many competitors and many haters. Anybody can make a post and put it online. It's very simple. I have people that if you go to my Instagram, there's 20 fake Vegas Dave accounts pretending to me to sell packages. If you comment on one of my posts, 30 people will DM you and say, I have Vegas Dave's picks and try to, and they're not, they don't have my picks. They just make it up. So people will always go, when I won the Royals and the Broncos, people wrote that I bet 13 different NFL teams and 13 different baseball teams that year. It's not that hard to make a post and post on the internet for Google. So I don't even, the thing is, I don't know what you're talking about because I don't read the riffraff. I, I, I stay very focused and I don't pay attention to clutter because if I pay attention to what people write about me. I lose speed. And when I lose speed, I lose execution. When I lose execution, I lose money. I work, I work fast. You gave me some good info. You told me you're you're really strong at baseball. You think baseball is the easiest of the sports uh, in not so many words because you said they play 162 games. They're always playing every day. Uh, usually a lot of teams are very even. If they lose the first two, chances are they won't lose the third. If they do lose the third, you'll probably double up on game four. They usually split double headers. Um, that's baseball. Football. When you took the Broncos and you took them in preseason, was there something you were looking at? Yeah, number one division. What were you looking at? Number one defense. I knew their defense would be stellar, and I was right. They had the number one defense, and I just knew that. I knew Matt, that was Manning's last year. I go a lot about a lot with intuition as well, and I just had a vision that Manning would retire with a Super Bowl. They had a great uh, defense, and I just knew that as long as he didn't turn the ball over, even if he couldn't throw the the long deep passes, I just knew he was a leader. He's been the one of the best quarterbacks of all time. He just had to not make mistakes and let the defense win games for them, and they won by field position most of the time. UFC, you said you make big money on Holly Holm beating uh, Ronda Rousey. Uh, you know, right now, the king of UFC in, in terms of, uh, of of women is Amanda Nunez, of course, who won again last night. But uh, at the time, it was Ronda Rousey. Like, she was almost unbeatable type of thing. Do you have any inside information where you're hearing about someone's camp compared to someone else's camp, someone's sparring partners compared to someone else's sparring partners? Like, on what basis did you give Holly Holm that time? Um, the reason is I... I'm all about numbers. I knew that uh, Ronda was due for a loss. And it's very tough to win 10, 12, 14 fights in a row. Number two, she's never went more than one round in a fight. Okay. 
Uh, she won all her fights within one round. I knew Holm was a great kickboxer and a great boxer, a good stand-up person, a good, good stand-up fighter. So I just knew that if if Holm can make it through the first round, that the second round she could outbox or outstrike her, and I was right. When when it went to round two, I was like, God, I have a chance now. And that's what happened. Ronda couldn't even go more than you know one minute in the second round. She was tired. So you had made millions gambling, uh, betting on sports, and uh, you've been banned from sports books, and now you've become a sports consultant. And once again, you have different packages out there, and people are buying the packages that you have. How good has this been for you? Much better than sports betting yourself, I would imagine. Yeah, I mean, I tell people in my documentary, I, I, I'm grateful for the government. I told the government, thank you for being evil and trying to put me in prison because you changed my life. My goal when I was a sports better was to make 100000 a month. That was my goal. And now as a consultant, when sports are, sometimes it's a million a month. I'd kill myself if I made less than 200000 a month on sports consultant. So for the people out there that say I'm a scam, how can I be a scam? Because if I was a scam, I'd make a million dollars a month and no one else would ever send me money. But I'm making it consistently, and I show my bank statements online. I show yeah. all my income, not to show off, but just to show people it's real because if I wasn't real, the money wouldn't – the money would stop. It's consistently between $500,000 and $1 million a month. Well, you know what? I know you're making money for sure because I saw your collection of bags and you're oh, going to need money to buy those bags. So tell me, how do you get into collecting Birkin bags? How does that all come about? Um, I just found out that, you know, they're very, they're very hard to get and they're very rare and they, and they appreciate. And I saw people like the Kardashians getting them and, you know, if they're involved in something like that. And then, you know, people that know money, know money. So I did some research on it. And I found out that there's only one or two bags like this in the world. And I found it within a week. I found it. And it was a half a million dollar bag. It was the most expensive bag in the world. I bought that. And if you look, and you can even Google this right now, Birkins went up by 13% in 2019. Huge commodity went up. So the bags are going up. I ended up spending over a million dollars in Birkins and uh, the, the Diamond Himalayans. But before you buy this bag, and I know you said there's there's only select an amount of these bags in the world and the Kardashians have them. But are you talking to a, a bag connoisseur to say, if I go out and I buy one of these bags one year later, do you think I'm going to lose my money? Or are you going on your gut? And going on my gut because I know how to market. I know how to sell. I know how to brand. So that's why, you know, most people, when they buy a bag for three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars is done in Asia or Europe, and they're very quiet about it. They don't advertise it. They don't want people to know they have it. They buy it, they use it, and put it in a safe. Where I buy it, I record it, because if you watch my social media, content is king. To me, content is new currency. I, I say, I'll buy the bag as long as you fly in, and we videotape the whole thing. And what happened? I was in uh, Business Insider, three million views. CNBC News did an article about me. So I just added the brand. And now the bags went up 13%, just like I did in the baseball card market. I always find things that everybody wants, and I, it's all supply and demand. There's one or two bags in the world. Not even the Kardashians have the bags I have. The ones I have have diamonds in it. They don't have those. So one of the bags you have, actually an animal took a bite out of it, all right? What kind of animal was that? That was and a camel. That was a, my black bag. That's my everyday bag. So uh, Holly and I were in Cabo, and we were riding camels for the day, and um, that's actually my documentary I fed uh, the camel with a carrot inside the Birkin bag, and uh, he uh, bit the bag. I mean, the bag's a $100,000 bag. Thank God it wasn't the $500,000 bag, but it's all good. So is that $100,000 bag worth zero now after the camel took a chunk of it? Yeah, but it's a bag I use every day. I'm never going to sell that bag. That bag, for me, I carry my laptop in it. I carry my phone in it. It's my everyday bag. That's not for sale. All the other bags, like the pink ones, the diamond Himalayans, 
those I don't take out. I only take out the diamond when I go to the Lakers game. If I'm going to be sitting courtside at the Lakers game or a big red carpet event, then I'll, I'll bust out the, the half a million dollar bag. Speaking of the Lakers game with Vegas Dave, and you're listening to the Sick Podcast, uh, what's the story about you have to buy a ticket for the bag? True yeah, or I had to get I, I, I get people to talk about me. That's what I do. You know, we're at Jack Nicholson seats, and it was funny because Jack called the ticket guys like, in 40 years, I've never seen anything so crazy in my life. This guy really bought a seat on the wood, which no one gets to sit at for his bag, and it, it caught on because people would always be like. Which bag is he bringing? You know, which bag is he bringing? Sometimes when I went with Fat Joe, uh, the rapper, he's like, Dave, bring three bags. So I bought all three bags. And a couple of games, I just bought a, a seat just for the to hold the Birkin bag. And yeah. that was a game that was uh, – Chris uh, Kobe was at that game and uh, yeah. a lot of other celebrities. Now, you didn't have to buy the ticket for the actual bag. But for you, it's it's all branding, right? Is that is that what we're getting? It's, it was all about branding, right? It was all about you wanted people talking that you had your bag on an empty seat, so you bought a ticket for the bag, and this guy's got so much money, and he's so successful that it, you know, he could spend twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars on a ticket to a game just for his bag, right? Correct. I get people to talk about me. Like I said, like you today, you had someone say they love me, you have someone tell me they hate me. But either yeah. way, both those people that you spoke today, I guarantee they're both watching. Why? Yeah. I'm a polarizing figure. They love me, they hate me, but they're still gonna watch my stuff. And they're still going to watch my documentary, and I'm yeah. still going to make money off them at the end of the day. I was taking a look at your social media today, and um, and uh, there you are. There's a video of you at the basketball game, and uh, Rihanna's next to you. And I think you tweeted it about a day ago, and you're like, here I am with Rihanna. What are we talking about? Question mark. So my question to you is, what were you and Rihanna talking about? I, she said, nice bag, Dave. That's the first thing she said to me because right. she, she kind of hit her bag in her arms um, I don't know what it was, but she said, nice bag, Dave. So obviously she knew who I was, and she recognized the bag. I mean, anyone that's in the bag game knows that is the that is the bag. Like, people don't have that. It's one or two in the world. The only other person that has that bag is Steve Harvey's wife. All right. And so that one there is, uh, what did you say, half a million? Mm-hmm. Half a million dollars. If she wanted to buy the bag from you that night after she said, nice bag, Dave, how much would you have asked? It depends. If uh, uh if we could, I, I would have, I would have even broke even at five hundred thousand dollars, and we could have videotaped it and set up a piece of content because that content would have went viral. So for me, it's all about the reach. So if she could, I would say if she offered me six hundred thousand or seven hundred thousand, I would have said, nah, I sell it to you for a hundred thousand dollars cheaper, and we can shoot it and put it on, put it on one of my platforms, and you put it on one of your platforms because I want the reach. So how many Lakers games do you go to per year? Whatever, which all the big games, Christmas game, all the good games, um, you know, playoff games. The, the ones that are worth it. I'm not going to go to a, a team like how Golden State is all injured. I want to go to the good games. And yeah. I'm fortunate enough to be able to sit in Jack's seats. You know, Jack doesn't really sell seats to anyone else. So I'm always um, in Jack Nicholson's seats when we go. All right. So what's your relationship like with him? What is, uh, I understand, you know, he, he can't go to every game. He sells you tickets. I get it. But you and him have a. Uh... I'm not allowed to speak about that. <laughs> That's yeah. one thing. Yeah, I can't really speak about, but I'm just fortunate enough that um, I'm able to get those tickets. Where even if someone wanted to pay three hundred thousand dollars for a ticket, they might not even be able to get those seats. You got to be able to be connected to get and be vetted by the Lakers organization to actually sit there. Good for you. Another reason why you made the news in the last six months or so is because uh, you told the world that you were in love, and there's a picture of you uh, proposing, right? Uh, set to get married. There's another report uh, with Holly Saunders, right? There's another report 
Holly's right over here. I, I figured she was because I saw her before, all right? And I'm <laughs> glad she's on because I know you read this, right? There's another report from a month or two ago that you guys were off. What was mm-hmm. that all about? Oh, we were, we were in Cabo quarantine um, for like, people understand in, in Mexico, the quarantine was crazy. So I have a villa in Cabo. Like people think the quarantine in the States was bad. In Mexico, we were the only ones in the street. There's no stores open except for one market. And there's just guys with machine guns walking around. Like there is, it was not safe to be there. So she went, uh, she went home and then I went to get quarantined in Vegas because my parents are elderly. So I had to stay two weeks separate from her. Um, and people just assumed because we weren't together, um, that we had separated and then, People talk about us. People still talk about us every day. Every day there's something about Holly, and there's always something about me every single day. I, I think the, the the her social media, her tweet, her her social media post said that she was on her way to Arizona, and if somebody wanted to quarantine with her, there were reports that you both unfollowed each other on social media. True or false? False. False. All right. Okay. People have nothing better to do. And the problem is most of the people that um have nothing better to do or grown men, 40, 50, 60 years old. Me and Holly were just talking about this. I, I'm used to having haters, but the people that hate are grown men. And I, I'm like, man, you have kids, you have children. Like what kind of values do you instill in your children? Instead of writing sh- about me and Holly every day, you could be reading a book to your child or you could be yeah. doing something positive for your family. Instead, they talk about me almost every day, but I'm used to it. I don't read it. So like when you talk about the Blues game or whatever, the Bruins game, yeah. I have no clue what you're talking about because I don't pay attention to stuff. But you know the way it is. People would want to be you. They would want to make 2.5 million on the Royals. They'd want to make a couple of million on the Super Bowl. They'd want to make a couple of million on a couple of UFC fights. And they'd love to have a beautiful woman like Holly by their side, right? You know that. Of course. You're a smart guy. So when's the way? We're looking at, I mean, we discussed 2021, but it looks like 2022 because pretty much we lost this whole year. Okay. I got it. So where is that going to take place? I'm hoping Cabo. I mean, I'm building another villa right now next door to the villa I have, which is going to be huge, a 20,000-square-foot villa. And I always tell people, you know, for my haters out there, the pool's 2,600 square feet. That's bigger than their home, you know. But I guess I'm a scam. But um, How many elevators? One, one big elevator, a nice big Otis elevator. Okay, what else can you tell me about this villa? Let me dream now. Tell me, tell me. Go ahead. Ocean view. Uh, it could have up to 15 bedrooms if I wanted to, if I wanted to rent it out. But right now at six, um, three floors, um, the pool is 2,600 square feet. The pool and the deck is 5,500 square feet just for the pool and the deck. So it's like a resort. Uh, Butler maids. I don't have to leave the place. And right next door is Villa Vegas State One, which is the villa I have now. And that's a rental. So basically I can just live like a king and a queen with Holly and make rental income every single month next door. Uh, my goal was to retire in Cabo. Um, so we're actually going out there next week for three and a half weeks just to hang out on the beach and wait for baseball to start and, uh, shoot some videos to get people to talk about us even more. <laughs> How many cars do you have? Uh, two in Cabo and then a Rolls Royce Cullinan right now. Um, and a Ferrari spider as well. All right. Pretty cool. So a uh, car collector as well. Besides yeah, first collector? I don't even, I just like nice things. I don't even like to drive. I, I, I'd rather have Holly drive. I don't like to drive. I buy it all for the branding. You know, like my Ferrari, I haven't driven in three months. It just sits in the garage. Um, I do like the Rolls Royce. Um, the Cullen is very nice, but I just shoot it for content. You know, I get people to talk about me because listen, if you, if someone pulls up in a $450,000 SUV, they're like, what does this guy do? And that's the hook. 
it's the marketing. And then when they try me out and see how good I am at, and I help people make money, and they stick with me. So I use the, the Vegas State persona the, and uh, the, as marketing to pull them in, to get them uh, interested in me. And then I let my hard work and my results retain my business. And that's why um, I make a lot of money. So every sport has been put on hold or pause or canceled or postponed or whatever in almost three months. Has Vegas Dave been on staycation for the last three months or are you actually working and further owning your craft? If there's anything that you can do, like have you done anything? I'll be honest with you. I'll be honest with you. I I didn't take a a day off in over four years. You know, I never, I worked, I work birthdays, holidays, Christmas, New Year's every single day. So I'm actually enjoying the time off. But I'm working on two properties. I'm I'm rebuilding a house in Vegas. I bought my parents' house. I'm doing a remodel on that. And I'm building Villa Vegas Dave 2 um, in Cabo. So those two projects, of basically building two homes, are keeping me really, really busy. Um, I'll start When I find out that sports are starting back, I'll be back full time. So right now, I'll be honest with you, there's nothing for me to read. I mean, I still follow. I read. But until I see the schedule, until I find out what the spreads are and all the information from when the season's starting, then I get back to work mode. But I, I've actually enjoyed this time off. All right. Okay. So, but in terms of back to work mode, seeing as there's been no sports, there's nothing that you can do. You're, are, do you touch base? Are you friends with professional athletes, uh, basketball players, football players? Uh, I, I, know, I, I, I know some, but I don't really stay in touch that often, you know? I mean, I, I really don't go to as many games more, but I have a lot of my Roldex on my phone uh, if I need something. I, but I don't ever reach out and disrespect them and ask them questions about games because I don't want to put you know their job in jeopardy, you know, because everyone knows who I am in this world, so I don't yeah. want to jeopardize um, their work. But right now, I mean, I'm very honest what I do. Like, I could do Korean baseball. I could do UFC right now. Um, I don't like the UFC fights right now. Like, Nunez is minus 600. There's no value. If I was a scam artist and I only cared about money, I'd have a UFC package every week. I'd have an archery package. I'd have a, a cornhole package. And if I had these packages, trust me, people would buy them because people trust me. But I don't know this. I'm not really following it. So I'm not about the money. I'd rather retain my brand. My brand is very important to me. So instead of making money right now, I'd rather save the brand, wait for baseball, football to come back, and then make the money, help people make money. I'm not trying to chase to make 10, 20 grand a month now on some BS sports what that so I too much integrity. I care about my players. I want them to win. It's not about me making money, it's about them making money. Soccer resumed in Germany about a month ago. Have you touched on that? Have you, any package? Yeah. Nothing. So in the last three it. months, basically you haven't done anything in terms yeah, of Yeah, I, I could do it, but I'm not, I'm not good at it. And I'm not going to sell something I'm not good at because I care about making people money. That's why I believe I'm successful. All my competitors, they want the money. If I can make 20, 30 grand a month on soccer picks. You ask any other sports handicapper, they are going to sell that. Me, I don't want the money because I'd rather wait to a sport that I'm good at. For me, it's all about the brand. With Vegas Dave, and you can follow him on all your social media platforms, of course, it's Vegas Dave. Uh, Before we let you go, in terms of the packages that are available once sports will resume, how many packages do you have available? And can you give us an idea as to what those packages would be? Yeah, for baseball, you know, I have – different packages you know there's a daily card where people want to pay 99 dollars a day um and they get a mix of parlays and straight bets or they can pay for the full season for three thousand dollars so they don't have to do daily cards some people just want to do a weekend package or i have something called whale plays those are my best plays and they hit close to 80 percent last year and my whale plays are 500 dollars a piece so i tell people like, there's no way he can hit 80 percent that's impossible well how am i selling three to four hundred whale plays a day 
every single day if I'm not winning those percentages. Because the people have to pay $500 for the pick, they got to be betting $2,000 plus just to make their money back plus more because they're investing 500. So that that's why um, the my whale plays are my bread and butter. There's people that just do my whale plays and they bet 10, 20,000 a game on those. So you've had incredible success at this. Uh, you're you're dabbling with property right now and you have a couple of projects that you're putting together. Uh, the purses have been an investment for you as well. Uh, you, you did something with a sports car with uh, with uh, with Mike Trout, which was uh, how much did you buy that car for? I bought that car for one hundred eighty thousand less than two years ago, and I just sold it for nine hundred thousand. It closed at nine hundred and thirty thousand with the commission, so that's the highest sports card sold in modern day history. Everyone thought I was crazy. They called me. I was stupid for buying a piece of cardboard for one hundred eighty thousand. Um, there's only five of those cards in the world, and I sold just sold it for over nine hundred thousand dollars. And the card that I bought last year, there's only one in the world. And I paid 400000 for that Mike Trout. I'm the only one in the world that has that. And right now I'm working on a deal trying to get between 3 and $3.5 million for that card. Um, and that's what I do. I think outside the box and um, I'm able to um, make crazy investments that most people would never do. And was that also a gut purchase, like a gut investment like you talked about with the Birkin purses? Or did someone who specialized in sports cards whisper in your ear and say, hey, listen, Dave, if you want to make money – I have a feeling if you pick up this trout card, you're going to make half a million dollars within the next well, two years. Some people told me trout was the best investment in the world, but they said there's no way you'll be able to buy them because everyone has them in their personal collections. So there was cards that people had for 30, that were worth 30000 I was able to find them. I offered them 60000 They said no. I offered them ninety to 100000 and people sold them. Like, okay, I'll sell them for $70,000 over value. They thought they were making money, but now those cards that I paid a hundred are worth three hundred. I had the vision. I bought them all up. I controlled the market, supply and demand. I control what the market is. So um, no one told me, hey, I think you should buy this card for $400,000. Everybody said I was crazy. Not one person was in support of me of that. There was articles all over online how stupid I am and that I'm an idiot. But now that it's worth $4 million, you don't see these haters saying, wow, good job. They're silence, crickets. That's how haters are. So the other night I'm on Instagram and I'm following you, right? It's midnight Eastern time and you're going live. You're giving away money. What's all that about? Yeah. So I give out a hundred to $300 a day to random people on the internet. So every like tonight at 9 PM Pacific time, um, I go on my live feed and I spin a wheel. The wheel can land on $50 all the way up to a thousand dollars and whatever it lands on. That's what I'm giving away. And I give it away to one person every night on my live feed. I started doing it, um, during the virus and I decided I'll do it every single day. So on average, I'm giving away $10,000 a month to random people I've never met before just to put an extra $100 in their pocket, $300 in their pocket tonight. Will Vegas Dave keep sports consulting or is there something next for you? I believe public speaking is. I mean, when my book and documentary come out and people see what I went through, it's more of an inspirational story because I always tell people that life is crazy. You know, you can lose your, lose your wife, you lose your significant other, you can lose your job and people are depressed. And they give up on life. I was facing 40 years in prison. And during those three years of fighting the feds, I was able to make more money in three years than I did my previous 39 years. So it's inspiration to tell people it's how you react to the problems. It's how you persevere. So I believe that once my story is told, because people don't know my story. I'm a scam artist or I'm a trust fund kid. or I'm just lucky. I don't work hard. They don't know the true story. But when the documentary comes out and the book comes out and they get to see who Dave Wancha is and not that Vegas Dave is just an online marketing character and David Wancha is a totally different person at the core – then I think people will be inspired. So I do see myself in the future doing public speaking um, to inspire people to work hard and reach for their dreams and goals.
Have you been to Montreal before? No. Plan on it? No. Things? No? No. What city? I, I used to go to Windsor because I used to live in Michigan, so I used to go to Windsor. But I, I, I don't, I don't. Um, yes, I, I don't plan on. I don't have time to travel. This is the only time I can travel right now. Um, otherwise, I don't have time because I'm working every day with sports. Well, if I'm in Vegas and you're doing some public, where are you going to do the public speaking? Vegas, Cabo, all over the world? Maybe all over the world. We just need to get the book out. I signed with an agency already, so I have an agency that represents me. So I still think 2020, 2021 are going to be the biggest years of my life. That's going to put me even bigger on the map. I look forward to the documentary. In the meantime, a lot of people watching this podcast, I think, know a little bit more about David Wancha today mm -hmm. than they did yesterday. And for that, I thank you for your time. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Good talking with you, bud. Why don't you give your uh, Twitter handle? It's Vegas Dave. Your, uh, your, it's, uh, it's Vegas Instagram. Dave. Most of my uh, content's on Instagram. I'm very heavy, heavy on Instagram, and that's where I give up the money every night. So it's Vegas Dave, and make sure you look for the blue check mark because there's so many fake scam accounts. So if it, you look for the blue check mark, it's Vegas Dave. I think there's 1.4 million followers on that. That's where you see all my content, and then some of the content carries over to Facebook and Twitter, but um, it's mostly predominantly on Instagram. It's been cool doing this with you, bud. Thanks, man. Thank you. Have a great night. Stay well. There you have it. Vegas Dave on the Sick Podcast. I'm Marinero until the next edition. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next week. Follow the Sick Podcast on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. 